0: Hey, hey friends, this is Jessie Deshane, a chronic illness support coach and host over here on the Chronically Healing Podcast. When I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, I was scared and immediately started looking for support. After finding so much negativity in the autoimmune world, I decided to start a community that emphasizes positivity and healing. On this show, you will hear me have conversations with people just like you who are on their own unique healing journey with chronic illness. There might be a few tears, but you are guaranteed to have a bunch of laughs and lots and lots of love and support. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back everyone to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today I have the wonderful Andrea of Autoimmune Strong on the podcast. Welcome, Andrea.
1: Thanks for having me, Jesse. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm so excited.
0: I know. We've been talking about it since I started <laughs> since I started this podcast, I think, like forever <laughs> I ago. Know. So, I'm excited that we were finally able to connect about this, so without further ado, how about we talk about your backstory in life with chronic illness, and just dive into your story about
1: who you are. Sure. Um, well, I'll start by introducing myself. I'm Andrea Wool, and I'm uh, the founder of Autoimmune Strong, but before that, I was, or am, a person with chronic illness. Mm-hmm. I was undiagnosed for many years. And when I look back at my life and think about all the things that happened to me, I realized I was probably undiagnosed for like 20 years. Mm. Um, I have Hashimoto's, um, I have celiac, I have fibromyalgia, and I have a mixed connective tissue disorder. Um, So that's three autoimmune diseases and one. Some people define fibromyalgia as autoimmune and some people don't. To me, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because it sort of manifests itself in the same way. So I handle it the same. Um, And it all kind of came to a head um, after the birth of my second son. So I'll paint a picture of what was Mm -hmm. going on at that time, which was that I had a full-time job that was probably more than full-time. It was like, a corporate job and it was during um, the time of the recession and so they had laid off a lot of people at my company and they had passed a lot of that responsibility on to me um, without um, you know increasing my pay or being kind about like the amount of time that those, yeah. all of those responsibilities needed I had a three year old at home who I didn't see very much because yeah. I was working all the time Um, And so he was, he spent a lot of time with my mom and, um, and I had a baby on the way. And so um, during my pregnancy, I had a lot of like panic attacks and a lot of health issues. Um, And we all sort of attributed that to like, oh, well, you're just, you know, we're all just nervous about what life is going to be like when the new baby comes. And then um, Asher came and he was like the best baby ever I mean you can't ask for a better behaved baby like he was just the sweetest he still is he's always like asher means happy and he's just that kid he's super oh, happy. yeah um, and so it wasn't like the things were that hard but I just I couldn't handle it and I was my hair was falling out and I was gaining weight instead of losing weight and, I mean and when I say it, like my hair fell out with my first after my first pregnancy because that's natural after you give birth but like my hair was falling out in, like, clumps, like, wow. massive. Like, yeah. I couldn't keep – there was hair, I you know, like, tra- trails of hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went, and, um, you know, you're supposed to kind of lose weight after you have a baby, yeah. and I am gaining, like, you know, 5, 10, 15 pounds. Like, it wasn't just that I was maintaining baby weight, and I was exhausted. Like, I could sleep anywhere, anytime I – there were times where I was so exhausted. Like I would have to call my mom who lived down the street and be like, I need you to come over now. I'm too tired to even hold this baby. Like Mm. it it got so bad that I would like put him in his crib and I would have to lie down and take a nap. Um, I was fainting everywhere. Like unclear, like why? But um, you know, it, it just, and like, the pain like I felt like I had ants crawling on me all the time Mm -hmm. like it was and that that's like the memory of it from eight eight years you know ago so it was like it was so bad I was crying Mm -hmm. because all I ever wanted was to be a mom like this was my dream and we had tried for so long to have our second child and like we just you know this was what I wanted and and my body was giving me all the signs that I couldn't handle it I was struggling to take my three-year-old to the park or like he'd be like mom you play with me and I'd be like I'm sorry mommy's too tired right now and this was before I even went back to work so when I started thinking about going back to work I was like I can't even handle the you know the basic responsibilities that um, are here for me right now. Like, how am I going to work and do this? So, um, the company I worked for was kind enough to give me, um, to let me come back from maternity leave part-time. Okay. But even that, after like six months of that, I was too sick. I was so sick. I would come home from work and I'd crawl into bed. Like weekends, I would spend the whole weekends in bed. Um, I found when I was cleaning out, a box the other day. I found a Valentine's Day card from my older son during that period of time. That he had, and it said, mommy, I love you. Feel better. And I was like, that's what everything was, was mommy feel better. Mommy yeah. feel better. Finally, I was like, I can't live like this. Mm-hmm. I had seen doctor after doctor after doctor. And they all told me it was posting a mom. Um, you know, yeah. It was postpartum. It was just yeah. normal and routine for after having a baby. And I was like, had a baby before and I have lots of friends who have babies. This is Yeah. Different. When no doubt helped me I started and I started learning about nutrition and mm-hmm. I started learning about um, yeah, I mean, I started with nutrition. I started learning like I was like, I don't know what gluten is. What's gluten? Yeah. I was <laughs> the girl who ate jelly beans and cupcakes and I would like siphon off the mac and cheese that my kids didn't eat. I was Very standard American diet. I was, prior to having kids, I was a marathon runner that would follow my, you know, intensive long runs with, like, bagel, egg, and cheese. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, very Mm carb-heavy. Turns out I have celiac, so that wasn't very good. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I started, like, I came home one day, and I was like, I'm doing an elimination diet. And my husband was like, Mm. Uh, okay I don't know what that means I don't know what that is but whatever you want to do is fine so I like um you know eliminated everything it was basically a whole 30 before the whole 30 um happened and and eliminating it all was so hard anyways I don't know this is like a long-winded way of saying that's perfect (laughs) um so I did this elimination diet and it um it was really hard, and I actually ended up, like, the first time I did it, I couldn't make it through without with the sugar because I ended up with, like, 105 fever. And, I, and then looking back on it, I realized that my body was so chronically addicted to sugar that the minute I went cold turkey, and I didn't, like, ease myself. I, I Like, I literally went through, like, a detox, the way that you yeah. get. Go like through. a
0: withdrawal, yeah. Yes,
1: withdrawal. That's exactly the word. Yeah. So I wasn't able to fully complete – an elimination diet the first time, but like I kind of tiptoed my way into it. And I started learning about organic fruits and vegetables. And I started learning about eliminating gluten and I stopped drinking coffee and I stopped drinking alcohol and I stopped having dairy, like basically all the things that I loved. Yeah. (laughs) I took away and I started to, after like the first month of doing that consistently, I was like, Oh, I feel different. Mm -hmm. And then after three months I was like, Oh, I feel really different. And it wasn't everything. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. It wasn't like oh poof, I was healed. Yeah. But I was starting to be able to. Be, I was moving out of that like desperate place, mm-hmm. and I started to have glimpses of that. The fact that something was more than that life was possible for me. Yeah. And so that gave me um, the desire to learn more and to go deeper and to figure out more things and. So, I decided to become a nutritional therapy practitioner so mm. that I could learn about nutrition for myself. And while I was doing that, I was like, How can I learn about nutrition without movement? Like, mm. I, I don't know how all these people are talking about nutrition, but nobody's talking about movement. Like, to me, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Body, it's all part of healing the body. Like, how we move and how we nourish ourselves is all one and the same. So, um, I was feeling good enough at that point that I was able to go to night school and become a personal trainer at the same time.
0: -hmm. So we kind of dived into it a little bit with like what it was like in the beginning to be a mom with chronic illness, but like, what, what are some of the things that you kind of deal with on a day to day or like especially in the beginning with being a mom with chronic illness? Cause I know for me, um, I'm not a mom yet, but it's something that has scared me in the past is like, is this something I'm going to be able to do?
1: Yes, you can totally do it. (laughs) Um, The, the key, I mean, and, and I might not have said that during Mm -hmm. the period where things were such a mess because I, I couldn't take care of myself and I felt mom guilt, like, nobody's business i mean i would just go to bed and beat myself up about all the things that i wasn't able to do for eli and all the things and the fact that like i needed so much help i needed my husband's help so much i needed my mom's help so much i needed my dad's help so much like i was very lucky that they lived near me at the time and i don't know how i would have gotten through it without them um i had friends bringing me dinner like I, i mean it was it was bad yeah and I needed, I needed that village and so I'm, I'm so grateful and I know that not a lot of people have that and um uh you know but part of it is that I'm not um part of the way I handled it is if you've met me and you know me then you know I don't mince words and I kind of tell people how it is and I realized like I can't hide. I tried to hide how I was feeling from people but like I'm kind of an open book. So people would say, how are you doing? I'd be like, Oh my God, how am I doing? <laughs> I give them the whole story. And so they knew that I needed help and I didn't mm-hmm. hesitate to ask for help when I needed it, even though that was like the hardest thing, because I'm such a prideful person. I didn't want to admit that I couldn't do it, but things have gotten so bad. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so asking for help is like the first piece of advice I would give anybody. Mm-hmm. is that especially when it's, like, that new baby toddler time where it's so busy. Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids are older now. They're 10 and 7, and, like, there's still a lot of work to do, but the work is different than when they're, you know, when you're chasing them and they're toddlers and they're having temper tantrums and yes. they will eat what you give them and, all, <laughs> you know, and, and, you're, and it's physical. Like you have, I had to carry them, you know, and yeah. I was – my back hurt. My legs hurt. Like, I wasn't strong enough. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I would carry them even though it would hurt me. And then I, you know, eventually I'd put them down and I'd like fall to the floor. And Matt would say like, why didn't you just pass them off to me? And I'm like, because I wanted to be the one to carry them. Like I'm the mom. I wanted to do the work. This was what I wanted to do. So I guess just like for me, I I didn't let the mom guilt go for Mm. many years. And I think I still feel... I still feel like I could have been better. I could have done that time period better. Mm -hmm. But like you, you just know what you know, and you get through it the way that you can get through it. But um, letting go of the mom guilt is like the most important thing because we do the best with what we're given. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's all we can do. And and asking for help when when we can, and not being shy about saying to people like, I feel like shit and <laughs> I need help. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear. No, you're good. <laughs> um, you know, because when I talk to w- so many women nowadays through Autumn and Strong, what I hear over and over and over again is I feel so alone, I feel so alone, and it is so isolating when you feel like you're in so much pain and you're having brain fog and, like, you can't see past the next five minutes. Exactly. It's so easy to feel so alone, but what I realized when I reached out to people that Other people were feeling the same way. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, I learned that I wasn't the only mom who was going through this. And so I ended up creating some of my, like, closest mom friendships with, you know, people that I'm still besties with today because we were able to help each other out because we were kind of going through the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think having that support system is so important, especially as a mom, but, like, even just in other parts of your life, just having people that – you know, you can call and you can talk to about different things. Um, I have a friend that also has a chronic illness and we just have a different, different kind of relationship because we can talk about like, we can go really deep into how we're feeling and like, and what we're doing about it and how we're trying to feel a little bit better. So it's really important.
1: Totally. And the other thing is like, you have to, I just didn't, I didn't know how to be a mom and, mm. you know and so especially with Eli because he was my first it wasn't even it had nothing to do with chronic illness honestly yeah. it was just like I was going day by day I didn't have experience I didn't I was one of the very first of my friends first in my family to have kids I didn't have other other moms as role models or like I mean I had my mom but like I didn't watch yeah her parents, yeah right? <laughs> So um, so there was so much insecurity that I was dealing with about, like, am I doing this right? Am I handling this situation right? Like, you know, now that I've seen him grow up, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> like, he's turning into a really nice, kind, lovable, awesome person. But, like, when they're two, you're just not so sure. <laughs> yeah. Girls are psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there was just so much mom guilt. And I think at the same time, there was a lot of – pressure on my husband Mm -hmm. because he didn't know how to help me like he didn't he knew I wasn't feeling good he didn't know what to do besides saying like well do you want to go back to the doctor yeah like he felt hopeless and helpless too and so we kind of were like these two people trying to manage this family neither of us know what we're doing neither of us know how to solve any of these problems and so it's so easy to feel alone and isolated, even in a marriage where you mm-hmm. love that other person um, so much, you know. Yeah. And so we, you know, I don't really know how we got through it. We just did, like, we just kind yeah. one step in front of the other, you know. And and when i come home with these crazy ideas of like, I'm gonna do this elimination diet, or I'm gonna go back to school to be a personal trainer, who's like. Well, we don't really have the money for that, but okay, we'll find a way to make that work. And like yeah. he he knew that this was what I needed in order to heal myself. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of like we were at do it we were plotting through it as a team.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I think that that's so important. I love the like the team aspect and really being able to lean on your partner but then other people in your life and be able to kind of move forward in that way. So you were talking about even when you were like picking up your kids that it was really difficult. I know um just from following your stuff that you talk a lot about like exercise intolerance and what that means and like so not necessarily for me coming as a mom, but like for me, um the nutrition part with chronic illness was a little bit easier to start and by easier it's not easy but it's easier but um with exercise i feel like it's really difficult especially if you are someone like you are a marathon runner i used to avidly lift weights um and i loved it like to the point though of pushing myself way further than i needed to yeah. um but now like getting into the space of like oh how do i restart moving like how do i actually move my body when I can't do what I used to be able to do because if I did that now, I would probably be out for two weeks, (laughs) not moving. So like kind of what is exercise intolerance? How can people get, um, figure out what kind of movement works best for them?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first thing I'll define exercise intolerance in a second, but the first thing to understand about movement and chronic illness is like when you live with chronic illness, your body is sending pain signals as a method of communication, right? Like yeah. when I couldn't pick up my kid or I was, couldn't climb up the stairs or I was too tired to take a shower and I yeah. fell asleep on the floor of the bathroom. That's a true story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, you know, like all of those things were my body's way of like big red distress signals being like holy moly you are not taking care of me and um you know it's not like I wasn't listening I went to the doctors I knew yeah. something was wrong and I, I didn't get the right guidance um so so it's frustrating um I didn't get the right guidance for two years um it was I didn't get diagnosed with my first daughter immune disease until two years after my son was born wow yeah um, and by that time I had kind of like Mitigated the issues with nutrition and exercise. So, by the time it was diagnosed, they were like, Are you okay? And I was like, Well, I am now because I <laughs> had to take care of it. <laughs> like, Thanks for all your help. Yeah. Um, so, so, um, you know, we often, when it comes to exercise, like there's a lot of fear that's on- honestly like subconscious fear mm-hmm. of if I move my body, it's going to hurt. Yep. Because when we move our bodies and in, in life it hurts mm-hmm. um, because we are at our maximum. Like yep. we have hit that stress tolerance threshold, and we and our bodies can't do anything anymore. So the first thing you have to know about your body and exercise is that um, this like traditional version of exercise that's 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 out there in our media and that's out there, um, you know, in in. The way we think of exercise is very much this no pain, no gain. Like you imagine when you picture someone who's exercising, you picture someone who's covered in sweat, who's mm. breathing hard, who's wearing athletic clothes and yes. like in this gym and like just work in it, right? And like, you know, shows like The Biggest Loser or, you know, things like that have created that image. And like, it's no good until you fall on the floor and you can't go any further, right? Yeah. But when you have chronic illness, If you exercise like that, all you're going to do is make your symptoms worse. And that's what exercise intolerance really means is that it's a side effect of chronic illness. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It basically means that our bodies can only handle a certain amount of extra stress and extra hardship before Mm -hmm. it goes haywire. Yeah. And and so if we exercise too hard, we're going to push ourselves past our tolerance limits, and we're going to go into a place where we just have a flare-up. And a Mm flare-up is like a symptom flare-up. And so, you know, for people with, like, user IV, real digestible, for somebody who's Hashimoto's, it really manifested itself in, like, complete and utter exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it, you know, I've heard of a a bunch of people having rashes, like, head to Mm toe, Ashes as yeah. um, part of their exercise intolerance. Like it, everybody, your body often reacts in the way that you are sick. Mm-hmm. If like it mimics, it basically reacts with the symptoms that are your negative symptoms. It basically exacerbates them. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's often hard to tell that exercise is what's causing it because. It just looks like, oh, I'm having flu-like symptoms or, oh, I'm having a stomach problem. You're not necessarily linking it to exercise, but but it does link to exercise and we're terrified of it because of that, like, innate fear that our body has created because it knows it's going to be in pain. Mm -hmm. So we have to exercise in a way that meets our body where it's at so that we don't, hit that tipping point into flare up mode and where we're able to push our body a little bit mm-hmm. enough where your body can adapt to the pressure of whatever exercise you've done, but not enough that it actually like forces your body to confront this pain, fear, stressed out moment place. I don't know. I don't know. Did I explain that well? Well, Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: I think that to what you said toward the end there, like meeting your body where it's at, meaning at some point you can possibly get back into working out, maybe not to the extent like I was talking about with myself, because I think I was pushing myself too hard in general, (laughs) chronic illness aside, but like to just get started with where your body is at and like eventually you might be able to do the things that you love to do. You might be able to run again. You might be able to, um, you know, go to a spin class or do things like that or like whatever, but it's just meeting yourself where you're at now and then
1: being able to work up to that again. Right. Absolutely. You've totally summarized it perfectly. And I I've been able to do that. Like I'm at a place now where I can Go work out. I can lift weights for an hour. I can run five miles. I can, you know, grocery shop and go for a hike with my kids and work a full day and still have energy at night. Like, you know, I've, but that's eight years from when I started this healing process. Like, it's not quick and it's not easy. And the hardest part, you know, meeting your body where it's at, like, sounds so easy, but that's (laughs) the hardest part because we have a lot we want to do in our lives right Mm. and we have a lot of responsibilities we have jobs we have family members we have you know pets we've got housework we've got all sorts of things that demand our time and our energy and our attention and we want to do it all so we and i'm like guilty of this so often Mm. um we often say well My body's telling me that I'm tired, but I have X, Y, Z that has to get done. Yeah. And so I'm just going to have to ignore those warning signs and I'm just going to have to push, push, push and get it done. You know, and, and with exercise, you and me, we're kind of like the over exercisers (laughs) where, you know, I'd be like, well, I'm feeling tired today, but you know what? I had that, you know, 10 mile run on my schedule and I'm going to do it because I'm that person who doesn't make a promise to herself and then not show up for it. I would do it and it would, you know, destroy me. Yeah. So, um, so being really honest with yourself and saying like, is this really what I need today? Cause sometimes Mm -hmm. it is, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. And and then having the ability to recognize in, within yourself when Mm -hmm. something is too much and then being able to communicate that to the people around you, Mm -hmm. that is the hardest thing to do ever. (laughs) And it takes years of practice. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of flare-ups before I was able to figure out where my threshold was. I had to kind of test things out. I do recommend keeping a journal. That's kind of how I Mm. was able to work through it. Um, I was able to – I would kind of log things so that when I would have a flare-up, I would look back and sometimes you know I would forget what I did 2 weeks ago because flare ups not like you do something yesterday and then today you feel a certain way sometimes it builds over time. Yeah. And I realized like oh I went out to dinner with my with with friends like four nights over the last 3 weeks and I took on this extra project and I worked out in this you know and it's like I realized okay that's just too much. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I think um for me specifically I struggle with like all or nothing in all parts of life. I talk about it with my therapist all the time. <laughs> I'm like a black or white person. I struggle with that in between. So like with working out, with food, like for me, I basically took almost a year off from true exercise. Um I would I still walked, but even that I was walking more than my body could handle. I was walking, you know, a mile and a half with a backpack to work every day and heat. And it just like my body was like, nope, can't even do this. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, I was like, I would work out, but I would work out at the caliber that I was used to. And then for like three days after that, I would just feel awful. So to me, I was like, okay, I can't work out at all. There's like no, you know, there's no in between. Instead of like meeting yourself, like you're saying where you're at there, like maybe Maybe all I could have done that day was, like, take Cora for a walk around the block or, like, do a few stretches or a couple of lunges or something like that instead of a full body workout.
1: And I think the all-or-nothing mentality is, like, I I think you hit the nail on the head that's exactly the the trouble with meeting the body where it's at is because – we do, we swing from this, like, well, if I'm not going to do what I think is best, which is, you know, an hour and a half long, sweaty, yeah, crushing workout, then I guess I shouldn't do anything at all, mm-hmm. which is not true because science, medical research has shown yeah. like, if you do a tiny bit consistently over time, you get stronger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people laugh at me because I'm like, Well, you could start with 10 seconds. Like, honestly, standing on one leg for 10 seconds is a a place to start. And they're like, well, that's not exercise. Or walking to your mailbox. Start with walking to your mailbox. Yeah. Well, it is exercise if that's where your starting point is. Mm -hmm. But we have this, like, mental block of, like, that's not enough. It's not enough to satisfy us. So, therefore, we're just not going to do anything. Yeah. And, and I think that the way to get that perspective shift is to think about it as a starting point.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Walking corner around the block is a starting point. Yeah. Because if you don't take the time to recover, Mm because there's a couple steps. The first step is recovery, right? Mm -hmm. You're someone who's in a flare up cycle. And like, you've been in it for a while. I mean, I was in a flare up cycle for like two years before Mm -hmm. I was able to start calming it down. I didn't recognize it as such until you know, I really started paying attention to, like, the patterns of my flare-up symptoms. And so the first thing you have to do is dial it way back so that you can just recover. Mm-hmm. But and, – and dialing it way back doesn't mean stopping. It's actually not good for your flare-up recovery to stop. It has to be something because, um, you know, exercise does move the blood around. It brings – oxygen it brings nutrients it you know it it, it kind of wakes up your body and gives you a little bit more energy like there's a lot of reasons that you have to be moving even during times of intense Mm flare-ups but just a little bit goes a long way yeah and and then if you can tell yourself like I'm not going to be here forever this is just where I need to be for right now then if you're one of those people that's like you and me where we we want to do it all we want to do it like hard and fast and yeah and aggressive because that's like you know that that feels nourishing to us right like it can be depressing saying like all I can do is walk horror around the block but if you know that this is where I'm starting and I'm going to take the time and I'm going to build up over time so that I can get back to some semblance of like what makes me feel like me Mm -hmm. you just think of it as training it's like a training session Mm-hmm. And that's what it's been like for me. I mean, even this past year, I broke my ankle. Yeah. Because I was um a little overconfident in my abilities. And I had had like a drink the night before on my 40th birthday. And yeah. then I went to a American Ninja Warrior obstacle course with my kids. And they were like, Mommy, you can do this obstacle. And I was like, wow, I feel a little creaky and a little tired. And I had a drink and not feeling so great but I'll yes I can do it it's fine and then of course I like fell in the wrong way and I fell on my ankle and mm-hmm. that set me back for many months but yeah. um you know as I was I had been at a place where I was running five six seven miles a day I was able to lift pretty heavy I was in a place for a while where I was feeling really good and flare-up free mm-hmm. and then I had to start back on the elliptical for like 0.2 miles, right? Yeah. And like, it's a mind, it's it's, it's a mind game because you're yeah. like, this is all I did. That's yeah. All I did. But it's not. It's like, that's really important work that you did because you mm-hmm. started in recovery. Yeah. And you have to build back up. I also think that there is a connection between this idea of all or nothing that has to do with our weight because mm-hmm. I think we've been conditioned to think about exercise as only its only purpose is it's it's a method of managing our weight yep and there's this idea of like well I guess I'm just gonna be like a flat fat slob if I don't you know yeah do this intense workout and I'm never gonna look the way I want or I'm never gonna feel the way I want and so we say all these negative, awful things to ourselves that we would never say to our friends Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) or family members. Um, And, and we become disappointed in that way. And, and so one of my missions is to change the perspective of exercise, because exercise actually isn't really about weight loss at all. Um, Exercise is about strength. It's about health. It's about flexibility. It's about mobility. Um, I mean, yes, It helps manage, it can help manage weight, but like over exercise can actually cause us to gain weight, to hold on to weight, um, because it is related to stress management. And so, um, so I get a lot of people who come to me and say, well, I've been going to a spin class of two hours a day and I can't lose weight. In fact, I'm gaining weight. Like, why is that? Yeah. Because it's not the right exercise for your body. Yeah. Um, so I think we also have to let go of that voice in our head that says, like, I'm not worth anything if I don't push myself to the limits.
0: Yeah. Or I'm not being perfect enough. Or I'm not, like, fitting this mold that I think that I have to. Yeah. 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 It's like that, that constant battle. It's something that, like, personally, I'm struggling with, and I'm literally, it's what I'm focusing on with my therapist, is that, like, that, like, giving yourself grace kind of thing. And like,
1: yeah,
0: truly, um, being happy with what you can do at this time, no matter what it is in your life, like whether it's food, it's exercise, it's, you know, work, it's how you're being a mom, things like that. Like being, being happy with, with what you can do and proud of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and giving yourself permission to be where you are. Mm-hmm. I think is really important. Like we hold ourselves to these standards. Like, well, if I'm not you know, I don't know, if I don't look like her, whoever yeah. her is, yeah, magazine, if I don't look like her, then I'm not worth anything, and it's like, well, we're, I, you are who you are, and you're beautiful the way you are, and give yourself permission to be who you are, and like, love that person, yeah, that you are, and it doesn't, because I guarantee you that person on the magazine has just as many insecurities as we do, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and they're probably being airbrushed, <laughs> so I it's not realistic anyway.
1: Yeah. Even Kourtney Kardashian has cellulite.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Are there any things that you do daily or weekly that are kind of non-negotiable for just for yourself? Exercise, like um, the way you eat, like, you know, just anything for your mental health?
1: It's when you actually, when you look at what I do every day to take care of myself, it's exhausting. Like I talk about staying vigilant. And, um, and that is how I live my life. And it's not easy, but I find that when I don't stay vigilant, I get sick. And so, um, the first thing I'm vigilant about is my sleep. Mm-hmm. So, um, I have autoimmune strong has grown so much in the last year, which is really exciting, but it's, yeah. um, you know, more for me to handle and I have to protect myself. So I do, I like to get up at five in the morning and, I, the first thing I do is I journal um, Mm -hmm. and I journal about my health priorities first. Mm. Here's what I'm going to do to take the goals. September's a great month. Then I back up and say, okay, how am I going to do that? What am I going to prioritize? And I make these notes for myself and often every day they're the same. It's just the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. But by repeating myself, it like really grinds it into me so that when I am tempted to stay up late or I'm tempted to do something that I know isn't going to make me feel good, I have um, a deeper sense of like, what is my true mission in life? Like, does this cookie really matter to me right now? Mm. And sometimes the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the answer yesterday when I was feeling, you know, really, really sick, the answer was, yes, I need that cookie. And, and <laughs> I do not feel guilty about it in any way. And I don't feel like, and it didn't make me sick. And I feel okay. Yeah. Um, so like, you got to give in where it feels. Well, anyways, I will explain to you <laughs> my vigilance. And then I'll tell you how I give in on some things. The weekdays, I stay very vigilant. Mm-hmm. I get up at five, I do my journaling. I work my you know I, I work my full day because my work brings me so much joy um, mm-hmm. being able to impact other people's lives and help them feel better in their bodies and the way that i've been able to feel better in mine is just it just brings me so much joy i can't like imagine not spending a lot of time on it um and then i pick up my kids and i make sure i put my phone down and i'm actually like present with them uh at the end of the day and um then I I exercise every day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes it's only foam rolling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a few minutes of, you know, abdominal bracing or some balance work. It doesn't have to be a big, long exercise thing. Um, some days it is. Some days I feel like I want to do a half an hour of lifting or some days I want to go for a run. Um, so I sort of... I, I kind of do a two day on, two day on, one day off exercise regimen, um, and even on the days off, I do I do move or stretch in some way. Um, so that is like a daily must. Um, and then with my food, on Sundays is food prep day, so I prepare all my meats and vegetables, um, and I make sure that I have. We do our marketing, and so. I have all the food I need and I cook it all up. I've gotten it kind of, it's kind of boring cause I eat the same thing all the time, but I got it down to science. <laughs> um, so like I can do my full meal prep in like an hour and a half done Yeah. Uh, for the whole week. And yeah. so, um, so that way I don't have to like when I had breakfast this morning, I didn't have to worry about what am I eating? I know what I'm eating. I took it out, I heated it up, done. Yeah. Um, so, so that keeps things really easy. Um, Weekdays are very regimented. On the weekends, I let it go a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, you know, I will have a drink every once in a while, even though it doesn't make me feel great. I will stay up a little bit later because I'll allow myself to sleep in on a Saturday, uh, you know, Saturday or Sunday. Um, the key for me on weekends is that I have really been working on since January, like enjoying my weekends. Mm. They're not just like rest periods for the week. Yeah. I want to go out and I want to do something fun and I want to feel like when I'm laughing with my husband or with my children, like I'm really laughing, like we're really connecting. Like there's Mm. something, I don't know. Sometimes I just got to I find that like I, I hold myself to these perfectionist standards that I forget how to just like be loose and have fun. Yeah. And as a, 20 something I was really fun yeah (laughs) um so I'm trying to tap back into that uh that party girl who liked to dance on tables and shots find that girl yeah but like within the mom and the wife and the 40 year old that I am now and find like level of relaxation so sometimes it does involve eating cheese or you know having a piece of pizza I mean the one hard and fast rule is that I'm always food free yeah um but I will say that I can loosen up on my food rules now but I wasn't able to for years without getting really sick and there are certain things like I still can't eat corn anything corn makes me really sick Mm. um I still can't, like dairy, if I eat too much dairy, it makes me, like if I had ice cream, I'd be sick for days. Um, Mm -hmm. So there are certain things that are just no-nos. Actually, chocolate is not my friend. (laughs) It gives me crazy anxiety. Mm. Um, And so there are some things that are just not worth it to me. Yeah. So, So, yeah, I try and keep it pretty vigilant on the weekdays and then have a little fun on the weekends. Yeah. And really enjoy it. Maybe doing like kombucha shots instead of tequila shots on the table. (laughs) I do drink a kombucha almost every day. Yeah. Um, I love – right now I'm really into this, um, the cherry coconut lemongrass kombucha special from um, GT's. Oh. We're like – we've got a case of it. We're obsessed with it. Yeah.
0: I'm like – I haven't really had kombucha because – they had diagnosed me at some point with SIBO. So it was like, don't touch kombucha. And so I, I mean, I, there's the SIBO thing is a whole other story. I'm not even, we're not even sure that's actually what's happening, but like, uh, but yes, yeah, so I've never had it, but my husband loves it. So
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of addicted. I think it's like the B vitamins.
0: Mm, yeah. It gives you some of that energy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about Autoimmune Strong, you've kind of like mentioned it here and there, but like, how are you helping people with Autoimmune
1: Strong? So Autoimmune Strong is the first exercise program that is designed specifically to help people with chronic illness find their way back to exercise. Mm -hmm. And it's not, the goal is actually not to find your way back to exercise necessarily. It's to be able to find your way back to movement in your daily life. So yeah. for me, during that period of time when I was talking about being really, really sick, like I couldn't go to the grocery store. I couldn't, you know, the idea of having to go to Target was like, I, I was like, "You're not going to make me go to Target, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> like just having to go and walk around and like yeah. push the cart and like manage the kids—it was exhausting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, never mind like having to walk through an airport. Oh my God! Like those basic physical activities were exhausting to me. Yeah. I have been an athlete my whole life. So this like disconnect between I used to run for four hours at a time and now I can't even go to target yeah. is, is like insane for me. So the goal for and strong is it's an exercise program that helps you get your strength and your flexibility and your mobility back. It helps your body adapt Mm -hmm. to the physical stressors that within these teeny tiny little exposures so that over time you gain enough strength and energy to be able to do the dishes to go to target to walk through that airport to be able to do the things like i said now that i do like my days are busy i clean my house i work a full day i run after my kids i exercise and i still go to bed with like some energy left in my cup, so mm-hmm. um, so it's an exercise program that has that goal in mind, where to help people get their lives back um, yeah. through strength training. Um, and when I say strength training, it's like you know it, people think, oh, you're it's so it's gonna be hard strength training. Like you have this idea it's gonna be like you know building muscle and heavy weights and stuff. I mean we're literally in honor. I mean strong doing just a few minutes of really gentle exercise. But it's so effective, Mm -hmm. and um, the key is consistency. If -hmm. you do a little bit every day, you can build up such an immense capacity. Mm -hmm. It really does work. So so that's what Autoimmune Strong is. It's an online exercise program to help you get back to your daily life. Yeah.
0: So if people wanted to work with you or find you or anything like that, how would they be able to find you? On the internet.
1: <laughs> on the internet, um, I live at yeah. www.getautoimmunestrong.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me. You can email me at Andrea at getautoimmunestrong.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me on social at. I think <laughs> Facebook is um, just auto. It's Facebook is just autoimmune strong. Yeah. Instagram is. Get autoimmune mm-hmm. strong. Yeah, um, I'll have if all the links. My website, then all yeah. the links are there. Um, yeah. but I, sh- I, you know, I try and do a lot of uh, give a lot of free information away um, mm. on social. So if you know if you're not ready to join me on the exercise program, definitely follow me there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll have all the links in the blog post and in the show notes so people can find you really easily. But yeah, I think um even if someone isn't ready to to join the program with get with autoimmune strong, um, following you on social, you do you give so much information away on stories and on your um just on Instagram specifically and Facebook. Um but yeah depending on where people are at, they can kind of see what you're doing over there. But follow
1: me there. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners of a podcast? Um, I guess the thing I've been thinking about the most right now is mm-hmm. like I really encourage you to find something every day that makes you happy mm-hmm. because chronic illness so quickly like sucks our soul and makes us feel terrible about ourselves and yeah. makes us feel alone and isolated and and feel like our dreams aren't even a possibility anymore so we forget them. Yeah, um, And I just want to... Tell people that, like, you're never alone. There's a, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people going through this same process all over the world. Yeah. And um, and, and try to keep a positive outlook and find the thing that makes you feel happy mm-hmm. um, because uh, being happy is everything. Yeah. We can fight a lot of illness with, happy, with happiness.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's so true. And it can be anything. Like Anything. Like happiness snuggling
1: now. with your puppy or, yeah. you know, or like I really like the way that my flowers in my front yard look at, uh, at dusk when like the sun is going down and there's yeah. a certain, like light that glows on them. Like that makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to, like, it doesn't have to be anything big, but like just take a moment and recognize that there are things there that are, you know just hugs make me yeah. happy. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's lots of things. So yeah. um, finding the little moments in your day that make you feel at peace. And, um, that goes a long way. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on today and everybody can, can follow you and can be a part of your community so that they can find other people like them that they can talk to.
1: Thank you, Jesse, for having me. It's so much fun to talk to you. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs>